everybody, we're back. It's avoiding the puddle. I'm back from Japan. I uh, my sleep schedule is all fucked up, <laughs> and I'm feeling pretty shitty. But I just got back yesterday, and I figured we better we better get on this shit. I'm here with Mike as usual. What's up, Mike? What's up, guys? Everything's going crazy, man. Uh, like I said, go back to episode one. I predicted this shit. I'm telling you, I saw it in the crystal ball. Tekken Tag 2 was announced <laughs> over the past uh, weekend, and uh, I got a lot. We got all kinds of stuff to talk about, and uh, we'll get to Tekken Tag 2 later because that's a very uh, it's a pungent topic right now. You know, there's a lot to talk about, a lot of speculations. Very exciting. So uh, before we get to that, I just wanted to talk about uh, some of my experiences in Japan and SBO in general and all that stuff. So. Uh, yeah, let's just get to that. Um, <clears throat> we arrived a couple days uh, before SBO, and we had a couple days to kind of play in the arcade, and at the time, we weren't exactly sure whether it was a good idea to play in front of the Japanese players, because we didn't know exactly... sandbagging episode. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, people had told me that there, you have nothing you could possibly sandbag. Because they know it all, right? And I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, there's always player style you have to uh, take into account as well. So. Yeah, yeah. There, it's not exactly that we're keeping some kind of setups or strats or anything secret. It's just the way we play. So I was thinking it would either be best to get a lot of time before SBO to practice, like maybe a week at least, or mm -hmm. like none at all. Just to just walk in there and play our game. But then the factor of, you know, the time difference and jet lag comes in. So, I don't know. I mean, we ended up playing a lot of good players before the tournament. And uh, we ended up, during the tournament, upholding the tradition of not making it out of first round. <laughs> uh, we got we got our ship pushed in pretty, pretty seriously. Who'd you guys uh, play? Like, I, I didn't get to see that. Okay. Um, I don't know the names of the players. I heard that, that was a Jin, and that's all I yeah, know, right? But the team we played was Brian, Jin, and Julia. And we didn't get to uh, know who we were going to play until that morning when I bought the book. I bought the SBO. Yeah, they had the brackets and exactly. everything in there. Yeah, so there, it was a Brian, regular Jin, and Julia. And then when I asked Jackler, who was, he was a good friend of mine in Japan, and he's a really good Jack player who was also playing in the tournament, uh, he told me that the Julia player on our team is like a Tekken god or something, and oh, he's like, fuck. well, the best him and Fudo Julia, are, who was also in SBO, are the two best Julias in Japan. Now, the interesting thing is we never ended up getting to play that guy because when we sat down to play, Sukin actually beat the Brian player. He went up first on our team. He beat the Brian player pretty convincingly. He did pretty well. And then the regular Jin player came up and just OCV'd all three of us like it was just <laughs> so easy. Vanilla I mean, he, yeah, he just he just fucked us up so bad. And like, you know, I had I had my strats for Jin ready to go, and I I I executed well, them. Well, what what was he doing? What was, like? Do you remember any specific things that he was doing with Jin? Well, he okay against uh, Sukin. I mean, it was just like a. Nothing interesting. He just beat him with solid gameplay. Against Rip, Rip made a bunch of uh, input mistakes, 
when he oh, wow. tried to do a slide, he missed. I counted four slides that he missed. So he got down three, and the down three connected instead of a slide. So that was one thing I noticed. Also against Rip, uh, the Jin player would parry his homing move. I forget what it is, like back three or oh, something. Oh yeah, yeah. And then he gets like a free launcher, right? And can yeah. So yeah. that's the thing. And then I was ready for that shit when it came to me. I was anchor, and. I know that Jin can parry Dragonoff's running two and get a free can can. So every time I would run up, and then I would like pretend like I was gonna do a running two, he would parry. I wouldn't do a running two, and then I would <laughs> do something else. But he would counter it every time. Like, uh, like either I would do a throw and he would break the throw, or I would do a sweep and he would block the sweep, or something. It was like he was ready for anything I had in store, you know, so, and it was one game, too, so of course, everyone knows that, so, it was really interesting, because we traveled so far, <laughs> you know, we traveled from America, uh. all the way to Japan, and then, the, in Japan, we traveled from Shinjuku all the way to wherever the fuck it was, it was like an hour and a half, just to get to Tokyo Game Show, and we go all this distance, and wait all this time, to just get our asses kicked, like, in two minutes, so, it went by so fast, and, um, you know, it's, I don't know, I don't know about that format, because, you know... Yeah, it's an interesting format yeah, for tournaments. Excluding us, you know, some of the best players there just got their asses kicked right away. No respect, lost first round. What? Jack, yeah, they lost first round. Jackler, Mia, and Fudo Julia, those three guys who are really good players, they lost first round. The Korean team that was there, Gypsy and two other Korean guys, those guys lost first round. I mean... All these great players lost first round, just like so easily, you know, and it was just like, holy shit, you know, this format is crazy. But, I mean, th that brings me to the top four. Uh, first of all, let me tell you, you know, the trend of tournaments running late. I have recently <laughs> discovered that... It's worldwide. Yeah, it's worldwide. It's not just in America where tournaments run late. This shit I... takes forever, dude. I mean... They had, like, a huge break in between for no reason. And, you know, even Harada and Michael Murray, who I was, like, kicking it with during the off, you know, not during the times where they're not playing, they were like, yo, what the fuck is taking so long, man? We want to make this announcement. And, you know, we were just waiting <laughs> forever, dude. It, it took forever. But finally, uh, they started doing top four, and they had, like, the ceremony with the smoke and whatever, and top four was the Korean team and three other Japanese teams, and there were some really, really good matches. There was an excellent uh, Marduk mirror match between the guy who was in the team that won and the uh, one of the other teams, I think the team that got third or something like that, but uh, there was some really, really good matches, and Lee Mario's team, which was the Korean team, uh, they, you know, I really thought they were going to do well because, you know, Roger is such a goofy character. Yeah, but like, Lee Mario also has, like, a different name now. It's, like, Nangmyun or something, just in case, like, people got that confused. Yeah, it's it's Nangmyun Sungjin or some shit like that. Yeah. And so, I don't know why he changed his name, but, yeah, that's Lee Mario, and he, you know, he had a really, he had some dope-ass setups and stuff, but... Man, he couldn't pull through. And then the thing is, the the guy in the team that won, that's a Marduk player, they, everyone keeps calling him Sumairu because... That's how it's spelled. <laughs> that's how it's spelled, but his name is Smile. Like, you know, half face <laughs> Smile. But everyone calls him Sumairu because that's how they say Smile in Japanese. You know, <laughs> so yeah, his name is Smile. 
And then in the grand finals, I think I, I don't exactly remember exactly what happened, but from what you reminded me, the guy, the Lars player named like <laughs> that guy, that guy uh, OCV the other team. And yeah. what's what's interesting is, and this is kind of to the people who would say the SBO format is random. The guy who got second place this year, who was in the team that got second place, Pekosu, is a Bob player, and he oh, is yeah, the yeah. SBO 2008 champion. So, and he was, that was also team-based. So, I don't know. I mean, that's some, you know, consistency. 2008, and then, you know, 2010. And interestingly enough, this guy, Pekosu, is uh, definitely, in my opinion, the best Japanese player I've played in Japan so far. Uh, I've, I've seen his vids against, like, MSRU2, and I was like, wow, this guy's like, really knows his shit, so. Yeah, his, his Bob is just amazing. I mean, so good. And, uh, yeah, I played a lot of good Japanese players in my two trips to Japan that I've uh, had, but this guy is really the one guy that shines ahead of everyone else. Uh, he, he is extremely good. And, uh, yeah, he made it to top two, um, you know, so he's a really good player. Also, you know, another thing is that uh, this was my first SBO, and from videos I've watched in the past, previous SBOs have been really different. Like, completely different. They've had a multi-tier, like, 360 type of uh, stage. Yep. And this year was very different. They had it at Tokyo Game Show, and the venue was completely different. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't. Did you get to see the setup, uh, how it was? Um, yeah, I saw pictures, and I saw, like, a couple, couple, like, clips here and there on the Internet. But, yeah. like, um, yeah, it was definitely dif- different from before, because before... Well, other than last year and this year, huh. um, it used to be at this one venue. I don't know what it's called, but I think the place is called Togeki itself. I'm not oh, sure. Really? I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that's where they held it, uh, like, for as long as I known. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's just where they had it with, like, like four, four sides and, like, four screens on top of the stage. Yeah. And there's, like, a walkway to the stage where the smoke comes out. It's like the traditional SPO, you know, setup. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. I guess maybe what I was used to is what I wanted. Like, I liked the previous SBO setup just because it was so unique. Um, This setup was much bigger. It was huge. They had two gigantic stages, and I think the amount of people there during the, the busiest time was way more than any SBO. Like, just because of the sheer mass of people. There were so much people. But I kind of liked the setup of previous SBOs a little more, just because it was so unique, and it just reminded you that this isn't just some tournament. It's SBO, and it's really uh, unique, you know. So, I don't know. I mean, it was kind of interesting. I'm curious to see if they're happy with the venue, and if this is how SBO is uh, conducted every year from now on. But it might be. I mean, it might just be with uh, Tokyo, uh, you know, Tokyo Game Show every year now. So. Yeah, who knows? knows? Who knows? Um, anyway, it was it was a lot of fun. It was an excellent experience, and I, I had so much fun. And I I got to meet and talk to so many great players. Uh, it was really cool, and everyone was so friendly again. And uh, that that kind of brings me to the arcade scene, which uh, I wanted to talk about a little bit. Um, I got a lot of time in the arcades. I got to play a lot of different people. And what's interesting is that uh, in Japan, the the people that were hardest to beat 
in my opinion, and I'm I'm sure that Sukin and Rip would agree because the I was uh, <laughs> uh, no 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 actually interesting interestingly enough, the best players there right the most notable players the ones that you know you hear about and watch their videos those guys aren't nearly as hard to beat as the middle tier like yeah. average players. The average players in Japan, like if you walk into Joybox on like a random evening and you play these random guys, those guys are so retardedly good because my my explanation for that is the the top level players, they don't use any setups or gimmicks or anything like that. They just play solid, right? And the reason they do that is because they give you credit. They think to themselves like this guy, you know, he's a notable player from the U.S. He's got to know all this shit. But the truth is, we don't know any of this shit. I mean, we <laughs> haven't seen, I mean, half of the setups that these guys do, they're so crazy. And we haven't, I've never seen any of these setups, you know. So the guys who don't give us credit and the guys who are like, you know, whatever, fuck this guy. And they just pull out all the stops and do all the goofy setups. Those are the guys who are really hard to beat. I mean, <laughs> random Nina players, random, like, you know, there was this Yoshi player that was just kicking the shit out of me and Rip, and he was just laughing his ass off. <laughs> I mean, he was just laughing his fucking ass off and just kicking our asses. Yeah, and we had no it? idea what to do. There was, like, we didn't even, I mean, I, I played Yoshi for a little while, and, I mean, you know, I know his move list, but this guy was so creative, and he had so many setups I was like, what are you going to do? The only way you're going to beat that is fall for that shit, like, for 15 games in a row, you know? Yeah. And I mean, he had, like, an endless bag of tricks. And, you know, um, for example, like, the one setup that I can recall, uh, one of a billion, was, like, you know, Nina players there, they'll do a standard juggle, but instead of finishing the juggle with the wall standing one, I think it is, into the kick to yeah, the Yeah, they do up forward four, right? Exactly. They, and they go no, behind no, you or something. Isn't it up forward three? Is it up forward three or up forward four? Up forward four sends her like out farther. Like yeah, it's one of it's one of those jump kicks. They mm -hmm. whiff it on purpose. Yeah, and then they go behind you, and from this position, if you tech roll, they get a back turn throw mix up, which is unseeable, or a back turn hop kick, which from this position becomes a true mid. So you can't get it's out. Not, yeah, it's, it's going to be close enough to be a mid. Exactly, you can't get out of it by holding back or anything. It's just going right. to hit you. You have to either duck the throw or stand for the. Hop kick, which is gonna, which is gonna hit. Yeah, I've, I've seen that one <laughs> out of yeah. one of the many setups, I guess. Yeah, there was there was a bunch of setups. Like, like I played against an Asuka player, and he he did this like you know it's not gonna work more than once, but when it counted in a promotion demotion match, against, oh shit, he's fucking against the wall, back to the wall. He did uh the falling rain throw, and then uh -huh. he let me hit the ground and key charged. And then got a can-can, which was a counter hit with my back to the wall. You know, and I couldn't jump over it. I couldn't do anything about it but block it. Uh -huh. So, you know, I mean, stuff like that. You know, I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing key charging, tech roll, and fucking I'm up in the air, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. And then, you know, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, you'll play players that are notably good, and those guys are like, you're like thinking, all right, you know, this guy's pretty good, but I feel like I'm kind of able to hang with this guy but the general field in japan is just amazingly strong and they 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 don't even give a fuck about tears you know like that if someone's passionate about a character there they're gonna have like there's this guy a yoshi player named love and he has eighteen thousand wins and fifteen thousand losses. 
15,000. I got uh, I got some video on my camera of this Mishima player who was so amazingly good, and he had like 15,000 wins and 11,000 losses. I mean, these guys are crazy, dude. That's a ton of games, you know. Yep. So, yeah, we we got some we got some amazing matches with yeah, a lot. I, of- I really think that's like uh, the mindset that we should be taking on. Like, fuck the tier list, right? And just play the characters you like to play. Yeah, why not? I mean, that's that's what I've always said. You know, if you're passionate about a character, you know, get eighteen thousand wins and fifty thousand <laughs> losses with them. Fuck exactly. it. You know, like why not? And, and it seems like this is more uh, the case in Japan than Korea. In Korea, you see a lot more of. People like good players switching around, jumping around. You see a lot of uh, uh, different uh, match videos. Like you'll see yeah, I mean, playing Dragon Off, or Rain plays every character in the fucking game, and you know, <laughs> it's like you you don't really see that much dedication to one character. Yeah, I've I've definitely noticed that with the Japanese scene, even in like uh, the Street Fighter scene. There, mm-hmm. it's like I see I I watch like Zangief players and they lose to so, like Akumas and Sagets and like yeah. all. All these characters, and I'm like, man, why don't they just pick up a secondary already? But no, they always stick through one character, like through thick and thin. So. Yeah, maybe it's the it's part of their culture, you know. They have that like like that discipline. Man. Exactly that they have that like honor, and you know, yeah. who knows who knows what it, what what the explanation is. But it does seem like the Japanese players definitely have that tendency where if they're really passionate about a character, they're just gonna stick with it and play that character to death, you know. So yeah, I mean, it was really interesting, and that, that all that stuff said and done, you know, uh, we got to talk about it. Tekken Tag Two. I mean, oh man, <laughs> it was. I, I kind of had an idea that that's what it was gonna be. Like, uh, you know, I had been hint. It had been hinted to me, and I had a feeling that that's what it was gonna be. And of course, I had made the prediction months ago that it was gonna be Tekken Tag Two. But I was sitting in the crowd and. As soon as that that combo occurred, where boom, Asuka jumps in in the trailer, and that's when you realize <laughs> take a tag. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just you know, I just, what was the crowd like? I'm sure they went crazy, right? Well, it, it, the thing is that it was so late in the day at that point, and uh-huh. we had all been there since literally like 9 a.m. and it was like 9 p.m. by the time. Oh, fuck. Yeah, by the time this trailer was uh, on. We were all tired, you know, but there was still, um, you know, a lot of excitement, of course, and a lot of people were, like, jumping around and going crazy, but I was really surprised. I mean, regardless of even knowing that, okay, this is what it's going to be, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Tattoo, I was still excited when she came in and completed the juggle and stuff, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, you know, the the thing is that the trailer, as much as as excited as I was about the trailer, and still am when I watch it, the one complaint I have about this trailer is the lack of new moves or characters or costumes. That's the only thing I am disappointed with. Yeah, I mean they've they've had the same costume since like Tekken Five. Yeah, so. you know n- none of the costumes were new. Uh, none of the characters were new except for the guy who looks like Heihachi. Uh, you see his back, and he's all yoked up, and, you know, he's all buff. Um, so none of the characters were new. None of the costumes were new. The only new move that they showed was the tag throw where Jin twists, you know, the opponent into yeah, Asuka's. His, his one throw into Asuka's reversal. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it, the the trailer kind of answered a lot of questions in a way and kind of gave us an idea how the game might work. 
which mm-hmm. is very exciting. But the the lack of new stuff is kind of unlike how trailers or teaser trailers usually work. I mean, typically a teaser trailer is supposed to tease the shit out of you, <laughs> something really new and stuff. But the th- the the thing that I mean, you know, you've obviously watched the trailer, and the thing that I've observed is, and and from people who were there that kind of know more than I do, um, it seems like the 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 thing that they're gonna do with Tekken Tag Two, which is not the case that uh, you would expect, is it's not just gonna be Tekken Six Tag. They're gonna implement this new style of tag where you can tag out of a lot of different types of moves. Yeah, it seems like you could tag pretty much after everything. It, it seems that way, right? I mean, uh, I don't know, obviously, exactly how it's going to work, but it seems like you can almost rush down with tag. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, that's that's what it seems. And then... Uh, like, in, like Marvel Assist and shit. Yeah, and, and I overheard people saying that the game is going to be like two-on-one at, on, uh, at some points. It's going to be like a two-on-one style rushdown. So I don't know exactly how it's going to work. I don't know if you're going to be able to just tag during juggles or if you're going to be able to literally, like, create an offensive string with tag involved wow. uh, or how many different types of tag there will be. Because there are some cases in the video where you'll see Jin hit, like, with a launcher and then he'll just completely leave the screen and then the juggle is completed with the other character. But then at the same time, there's other juggles where... You'll see Kazuya hit a launcher, and then Leo comes in, but Kazuya does not leave. And then she does a hit, and then he continues with a crouch dash one, and then she completes the juggle with something else. So maybe there are two different types of tag, where one of them, the character tags you in and then completely leaves, while the other one, you know, he, he stays in and is able to, like, kind of rush down or complete a juggle. I mean, who knows? You know, it's I hate this speculation shit. It just <laughs> it drives me nuts because we've been doing it so much with this, um, you know, these crossover <laughs> games that they've just announced, yeah. and now we got all this other speculating to do. So it's just really pissing me off. I want I want uh, some answers. <laughs> yeah, really, I want some answers, and that that brings me to uh, Harada and Michael Murray. I spoke to them at Tokyo Game Show. They are both on board for uh, coming on Avoiding the Puddle. Of course, Harada will, uh, Harada's answers will be via, you know, text. I mean, I'll, I'll email the questions to Michael Murray, and then he'll answer, uh, Harada will answer them, and he'll answer them for Harada, because Harada doesn't speak English, um, or not well. But he, he speaks English, but not well enough to have a telephone conversation with me anyway so yeah and and then michael murray will have the uh you know ad-libbed questions that i have for him he'll answer those and we'll just have a conversation in the future but yeah if you guys have any questions about tekken tag 2 or anything related to that that you want me to ask them on the interview i have uh shoot them over to uh what is it my contact contact at imtekken.com yeah shoot those over uh just keep in mind don't ask any stupid questions that you know are not going to be answered I mean, they're, they're obviously, they're not going to answer, you know, uh, exact information that hasn't been announced yet. I mean, that's the <laughs> whole point of uh, releasing information. You know, don't ask, is fucking Dragonoff going to be in the game? Or, you know, uh, detailed information that you know he's going to have to say, oh, well, you're just going to have to wait and find out. I don't yeah, want like, to answer that every five minutes. with you Like fucking questions like, is this move still going to be plus or is this going to be safe? Yeah, or I mean, come on. You know, that... that 
that kind of stuff will be unveiled, um, you know, in the future. And hopefully, the, uh, during this interview, we can talk more about Tekken 6 and a little bit about Tekken Tag. And hopefully in the future, when Tekken Tag 2 gets closer to being released, we can have them on again. And when more information is released about the game, maybe we can uh, get more answers uh, from them. So, I mean, that's that's pretty much what I'm hoping at this point. Um Another thing as far as uh, information about Tekken Tag 2 is if you're following Harada on Twitter, you'll notice that he's giving a lot of hints. And one of the hints that he's given is that we can pretty much expect every, if not a lot of characters that have been in the Tag franchise but are not have not been in Tekken the original, 6. The regular series, yeah. Yeah, Tekken 6. Well, Tekken 6 has so many characters in it, but, you know, I mean, think about it. You know, there's a there's few still, characters. like, ogres and, like, devil and, yeah, like, and, couple, and couple characters in this Exactly. Thing. Devil, ogres, um, you know, like, palette swaps like Michelle, Forrest, and Alex, uh, Kunimitsu, Dr. B, you know. I mean, there's there's a lot of characters that have kind of, you know, fallen away and, you know, or, you know, you don't really think about them, but they could bring back all these characters and have them be new characters. Well, who knows? You know, it's just, it's going to be crazy. We better have a lot of free time on our hands because <laughs> the roster is just going to be out of control. I know it. And, yeah. you know, I'm excited. I'm really excited because, especially because of this two-on-one new style of tag, it's not like the way tag was before and from what i've heard the original tag was really like thrown together quickly and there wasn't there wasn't that much thought put into it and it seems like they're really putting wow. a lot of thought into this <laughs> and it still so, turned out to be like one of the greatest seconds ever come came yeah, out yeah, <laughs> very popular very popular so i don't know i mean um only time will tell i'm very excited you know ogres are going to be in there. I mean, oh, God, they got to... Fuck that. <laughs> you know they're going to be in there. I mean, you know, they have to be. They have to be. Just because they are, like, the kind of uh, icon of Tekken Tag. You yeah. know, super good in Kinda that like game. the fucking bison of, ta- of yeah, Tekken Tag. Yeah, exactly. you got to have the fucking guy in the red cape and all that shit, dude. Exactly. So, I don't know. But it's just, it's exciting to, you know wait and see what's going to come out and in what order they're going to unveil information and stuff. So, anyway, um, uh, uh, unless you, uh, you have anything else to Tech and Tech 2 related to talk about, we can move on. Um, hmm, I don't know. I guess I'm just really excited about that, too. And yeah, I'm just I know. still wondering about how that shit is, is even going to work. Because yeah, no they, oh, another thing that Harada has mentioned is um, that there will be something on par with the addition of walls and breakable floors that uh, hasn't been shown yet. Now, in the trailer, there are no walls. The, in the trailer, you don't see any walls. It looks like all the stages might be infinite stages. But he has announced that there will be walls, and um, that's for sure. Now, the third thing that he's talking about that is on par with the addition of walls... Who knows what that could be? Maybe they're going to obstacles, like in Tekken what 4, where you break through phone booths and shit, you know? Fucking or jumping over fucking hurdles and shit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, I really hope it's not ring outs, because that Oh, God, suck. fuck that. That yeah. will suck. But it could be something like that, too. I mean, there's so much... I fucking hate speculating so much. It's so stupid, but... <laughs> 
But yeah, he you know follow her out on Twitter. He keeps dropping all these hints, and you yeah. know uh, you know he's answering questions and stuff. So follow follow him and yeah, I believe his uh, Twitter account is uh, Harada underscore Tekken. So yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is. So uh, another thing, like I said earlier, uh, I have a YouTube page, um, and you know if you want to check that out, I'm going to be updating with videos I took in Japan and. Um, Videos that I take here in SoCal, just of, you know, random stuff, just interesting stuff, if I could get video. Um, but I'm not exactly sure how YouTube works in terms of telling people what the link is. How, do you know how that works, Mike? What do you mean? Like, what's my link for YouTube? Oh, you would just, uh, just tell them your account name and it would be just be, uh, avoiding the puddle and they could just type that in the sub, in the search bar. Yeah, well, it's avoiding the puddle, so. I don't know how it works. YouTube slash avoiding the puddle or YouTube whatever. It's oh, a- for the link. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's just YouTube.com slash your account name. So it's YouTube.com slash avoiding the puddle. Okay, well that's that's what it is, I guess. So uh, <laughs> check it out. I barely know how to use it. Uh, I'm an internet. I'm an internet scrub. So. I don't know how to operate this shit, but uh, yeah, I, I already updated a tour of Joybox and a tour of Play City Carrot, which is uh, my favorite oh, nice. arcade in Japan. Uh, so those are up right now, and I'm gonna so, be updating. Oh, one question about the arcades, like, where is Carrot? Because like, that's like a new arcade that I've been hearing about for Tekken there, and I've never really heard about that one before. Yeah, Carrot is uh in Sugamo, which is a city over there, and it's very, very close to the train station. I mean, like, a hundred feet from the train station, so it's really convenient to go there, and it's a really nice arcade. If you want to check it out, um, I, I have a video that's giving a quick tour of the arcade, so you can see what it looks like. They have seven Tekken machines back-to-back, wow. and, and two of them are marquee stations that are connected to the recorder, which records for Tekken Net, and uh, it's really nice. It's really it's a it's the best arcade I've ever been to. It's a super nice arcade. Um, it's uh, fifty cents a play, so fifty yen, and it's just really cool. It, the competition there is not as fierce as Joybox, mm-hmm. but they always have their events there because it's really roomy and it's the they ha- their ventilation system is really good there. So even though it's two floors underground. It's still really cool in there, and cigarette smoke gets vented out really well, so oh, it's wow. very comfortable there, and there's lots of room to sit and just chill and watch, you know, mm-hmm. so it's a really, really nice arcade. Anyone who goes to Japan for Tekken, you have got to check out Play City Carrot in Sagamo. It's just super nice, super nice. It's like 12 minutes on the JR line away from Shinjuku, so... Oh, okay, uh, that's not too bad. Like four stops away from mm-hmm. uh, Joybox in Shinjuku. So it's definitely cool to check out. <clears throat> and um, the, one of the last things I wanted to talk about, I mean, uh, like I said in the last episode, I want to kind of answer questions that people have and people leave in the comments. So, again, if anyone has any questions or uh, wants uh, any, any answers from Mike and I, uh, go ahead and feel free to ask them in the comments of this podcast, and we'll go ahead and get to those uh, as soon as we can. Uh, and that's what I wanted to do right now. So I got a couple questions here. Um, Frank asks, let's see here. He's wondering, um, <laughs> in the previous episode of uh, this podcast, I said fuck Smash Brothers. And he wants, to know, uh, <laughs> he wants to know in more detail why I dislike Smash Brothers. And I guess I can easily answer that. Um, I don't like games that are too cartoony and are too um, 
like anime or cartoon the design oriented and of course that game you know having mario and all that shit is uh you know visually not appealing to me also it's very simple and i don't like that and thirdly the the way it's played competitively is without items and i think that is so fucking boring because i watch it every now and then you know i'm an open-minded guy and i watched it at devastation and the only thing they were doing was the same shit with that stupid bat character. Uh, oh, Meta Knight? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the same exact shit over and over, and it was so boring to watch. I mean, even the people that were there for Smash Brothers looked bored. So, <laughs> I, I recall I recall when they had Smash Brothers at Evo, they had the, the supers, you know, were allowed, and items were allowed, I think. And, man, that was so much fun to watch. When get the get the item, get the item, yeah. When when Snake did the super and he's shooting fucking missiles at the guy and he's like dodging all the you know missiles and stuff, that was so cool, you know. So even even if it had supers, I still don't like that game because of the art direction of it and the fact that it has no life bars and just the way the game works overall is just kind of weird for a fighting. It's not, game. It's not really like a traditional fighting game. So. Yeah, I've I've had a long argument with people in the past that it's not a fighting game. But I guess there's no really solid evidence that I Clear, could, like yeah. fine line what yeah. defines a fighting game. There's no way for me to really win that argument unless I take the uh, approach of whatever you just got owned and then move on. <laughs> That's pretty much how I win most of my arguments. But uh, in this case, there's no real evidence I have to support my theory that it's not a fighting game. But I don't really like it overall. Um, and you know that's the end of that. Anyway, moving on to the next question. Um, Smosler asked uh, why I didn't talk about um, not being able to show up at the previous MLG, which I was supposed to go to, uh, which was Rally, <laughs> uh, North Carolina. Uh, I just, I, I kind of forgot to bring it up in the last episode, but the reason I wasn't able to go, I, I fucking get on, I get in the car, I go to the airport, and... and the I'm, hot pocket chick is right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, no, no. What happens is, I know, I have such bad luck with these MLG events, but... Uh, what happens is I get to the airport, and I'm there 45 minutes before the plane takes off, which is pretty late, but it's still in time. So, I mean, I've been to, for domestic flights, you're able to get there, like, you know, I've been there, like, 30 minutes before the plane takes off. Yeah, like, no fucking, like when I was going to MLG Orlando, I, I, I arrived there 20 minutes before the flight, and I still made it on. Yeah, you know, it, it's not like I was that late. So I get there, and I'm going through security, and... I, I walk up to the line where it branches into, like, three different security, uh, you know, x-ray machines. So I decide to go in the shortest line, which is some random black chick. And I walk up, and I put my bag there, and she's like, I have my arcade stick in there. And she's like, mm, I don't know what the hell that is. So I'm like, it's an arcade stick. And she's like, no, I don't, mm -mm. And so she, <laughs> she takes my arcade stick out and starts, like, looking at it. And they take it to the x-ray machine. And this shit takes, like, 15 minutes. And by the time she's done with my arcade stick, like, they're like, oh, what time's your flight? And I'm like, it leaves in fucking 25, 30 minutes. And they're like, you're too late. You can't board this flight. Wow. And I'm like, why the fuck not? And she's like, you're too late. So because she was checking my arcade stick, it took a little too long. And I wasn't able to board my flight. Now, the most fucked up part of this story is on my way back out from where that lady was, I saw one of the other guys who was another option of the x-ray machine that I could have gone to and he saw me holding the stick and he's like oh you play Street Fighter 
blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck, dude, I could have fucked yeah. that guy. And Guessed on the like, wrong victim. Yeah, wrong guess, you know, so... Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. I, I missed my flight, and I tried to get on standby for the next flight, and I missed that one because it was full. And the only other way I would have gone is if I had taken the next flight to Atlanta, which would have made me on standby in Atlanta on the day of MLG. So oh, wow. I would have ended up being stuck in Atlanta. I mean, it wasn't worth the risk for me. So, you know, I did my best, and I fucked up. You know, lessons learned, and that's pretty much why I didn't make it to uh, Raleigh. North North Carolina, and that's pretty much why Just Frame James got fucking lucky that I wasn't there, because I would have uh, <laughs> kicked the shit out of him, like I do uh, every weekend. Um, no, I'm just kidding. James did really well, and, uh, you know, he's a those were some player. Yeah, those were some exciting matches, too. Yeah. We never really talked about that, either. So. Uh, yeah, we, we talked a little bit about it, but um, I think the big topic of the last MLG was the Atlanta guys being so rowdy and shit. But, yeah, I mean, James, his performance was exceptional. He he went undefeated, and he had some crazy matches, and he uh, got sponsored because of it. Oh, so, yeah, Check 6 Gaming picked him up. So. Yeah, they picked him up. He got sponsored, so expect to see him at future MLGs and future, um, you know, tournaments. I got to say, you know, uh, that guy works really hard, harder than anyone I've seen recently. I mean, he's got his notebook, and he's doing his homework. Well, yeah, he carry he carries his uh, own little nin notebook. Yeah, nin style notebook, and yeah, he does a lo- he really works hard to uh, to get get to the level and that he's gotten to. So he really deserves it, and I'm uh, I'm very proud of him. Um, and I don't really give credit to a lot of people. He he really is an exceptional player. Um, anyway, moving on to the next question, uh, Queen Wasp asks, uh, how we train for tournaments that are in a different time zone. Um, what do we do in terms of sleep patterns, and you know, uh, how do we prepare for a tournament that maybe is out of out of town or out of state? Uh, I'll let you answer this one first, Mike. What do you What do you typically do? Oh man, uh, you know, like sleep, I think is like one of the most important things for a tournament because mm-hmm. uh, I always fail on fucking sleep before a tournament. Yeah. Because usually, like, especially if I'm like traveling somewhere before a tournament, I'm usually like hyped up for it. And I'm like, fuck, I can't sleep anyways. Yeah. And now I have this fucking tournament in the back of my mind, so it's usually like I'm running on like two or three hours of sleep, and then I usually do bad. But I think, um, you know, if you know where you're going and what what the time zone is gonna be like, what the difference is, I would say try to prepare like a week ahead, you know, to that time zone period for sleep. Yeah. Um. I, the problem with traveling to tournaments is it's gonna be really difficult, like you said, to get the right amount of sleep, just because. Everyone around you is going to be excited, and you know they're going to be having fun. Yeah, and let's say so it's much Evo. Stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, let's say it's Evo. You're fucking partying, and it's Vegas, and you're up gambling and shit. Or even if it's not Evo, you're going to be up very late, you know, having casuals with people that are from out of town or whatever. So, I mean, there's there's the approach of preparing a week in advance, like you said. But what seems to work best for me is what I do is I kind of practice. Um, with local tournaments, I try to practice playing on very little sleep. Uh, what I do is I try, and let's, let's say there's a tournament the next day, I try and just sleep really late the night before and wake up as early as possible during the tournament day so that I can get experience playing on little sleep because typically that's the, the situation you'll run into during a major tournament. You're going to have to play without a lot of sleep. 
So that's what I kind of try to practice doing. I don't know if this is a smart idea or not, but in the past it's worked for me pretty well. I mean, it's kind of the more realistic approach because yeah, I, I don't think it's it's uh, realistic to think that you're gonna get a good night's sleep at Evo or you're gonna get a good night's sleep at Strong Style. You know, when there's so much to do that whole night and you know. It's just really difficult. I mean, yeah, that's not even be really including... really shitty, too, if you're going to be missing out on all the fun, too. Yeah, exactly. And that's not even including the fucking snoring the people are going to do in your room or, you know, who, who knows? Depending on who you're staying with, maybe they're fucking shooting up heroin or maybe they're fucking, <laughs> you know, there's a... You know, I stay with a lot of weird-ass people fucking smoking weed and, you know, drinking and, you know, it's like you can't expect to get a good night's sleep in a situation like that, you know, so it's just, uh, it's a good idea to kind of prepare yourself in that way, that's kind of my, my decision, but who knows, uh, that's pretty much just what I go by, anyway, Ricky asks, let's see what this guy says, oh, uh, he asked my opinion on, uh, or our opinion on Melty Blood and Arcana Heart, and games of that sort, uh, do you, you have any opinion on those games, Mike? Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> um, I've heard uh, people call those games poverty fighters just because <laughs> nobody gives a shit about them and they're like, you know, not popular. I have said in the uh, past that you should really have an open mind and play uh, multiple fighting games. If you are interested in those games, I would recommend that you research them and study them. I personally am not interested in them for because of the lack of competition. And because I don't, like I said earlier, I don't like those cartoony types of uh, art-directed types of games. I like games to be a little bit more mature and serious. Um, so personally, I really have no opinion on them other than the fact that they're poverty fighters and who gives a shit. Yeah, you know? I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna like discredit any of the people that play the game because I've I've listened to a podcast or two about uh, Melty Blood and yeah. like, how the game works. I'm like, okay. It has some cool stuff with, like, the meters and, like, you know, this character's, like, really good with this groove or this character's really good with that groove. So there's a lot of there's a lot of thinking involved and a lot of strategies. But, you know, I've never really taken the time to learn that game or, you know, there's no, no like, arcade by me that I would travel to to play that game. So Yeah, I mean, we're just not really interested in it. Um, yeah. That's not to say that they're bad games. Yeah, um, no, no, no discredit to the players for sure, so... Well, here's the thing. I personally, I don't know enough about those games to say whether or not they suck. Like Smash Brothers, I know enough about that game to think that it's a piece of junk. Um, and like you know, I like like I said, I've researched a bunch of games. I know how a lot of games work. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this who are Smash Brothers fans are going to be all fucking pissed off, and they're going to yeah, we're going to get the Smash forums yeah, on exactly. here with like 20 just, pages, yeah, exactly, <laughs> fucking 16 pages on VirtuFighter.com just because I don't like something. Excuse me, that you know I don't like something, but you know, yeah, I don't really like Smash Brothers. I don't think it, it has a very uh, interesting deep system and Arcana Hearts and Melty Blood. I don't know enough about them, but I'm not interested in them in any way, and I won't be interested in them. Uh, anytime soon, that's for sure. So, anyway, that's the answer to that. Uh, the last question I have is from Niels, 
and he is uh, asking, he's kind of calling me out in a way. Because in, uh, in a few previous episodes, I've talked about how I'm excited about Marvel and Mortal Kombat. Oh, I'm waiting for that Marvel, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every, I, you know, everyone's really excited about those. But this guy's calling me out because in a podcast I did with you a long time ago, I said that uh, no game that is not out in the arcades will ever be good. No fighting game that is not out in the arcades, will ever be good. And the reason I said that, it was in reference to Soul Calibur 3 and Soul Calibur 4. Um, and I still do think that. I still do think that, and the reason I think that is because of... Uh, it needs to thrive in the arcade. Yeah, exactly. It, it, the reason, it's history. History repeats itself. And unless something happens that changes that kind of fact... Um, I do still think that way. That now that doesn't mean I won't be excited about uh, you know new games coming out. I mean, how could you not be excited about Marvel or Mortal Kombat? But uh, let's look at Super Street Fighter Four. Super Street Fighter Four came out on console before arcades, and it seems to be a widely accepted, very good game, and uh, has a huge fan base. So if this becomes a trend, and if uh, video game companies are able to produce fighting games that come out on console that are not out in the arcade, that are of high quality, perhaps I will change my mind. But at this point, I think that it's very important for uh, games to be released in the arcade first. And, uh, you know, Tekken Tag 2 is coming out in the arcade first, and it's probably not going to be out on consoles for a long-ass time. Yeah, uh, not for like another year, I'm sure. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why, um, oh, yeah, this is kind of on a side note, uh, Markman, who was in Japan uh, recently, he went to Namco's uh, production studio, like, you know, where they produce all their fighting games, and he met the team that um, balances the game. Oh, and, wow. Man, let me tell you, I forget all their names, but uh, uh, Mishima Star is one of them, as I've talked about, and hella top-tier old-school players are on the team that balance Tekken. So, really? <laughs> I mean, it, it just warms the cockles of my fucking heart knowing that the people that are in charge of making my game are just great players. That is so cool to know. And they're hella good OG Japanese uh, Tekken players. So I'm really, I'm really happy about that. And, you know, it's coming out to the arcade first, and... That's pretty much my only defense. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited about these new games because they look so cool and they potentially could be really good, but I won't accept them until they are good games. You know, so I'm excited, but I still stand firm that uh, fighting games belong in the arcade, and this is the reason why I, I treat pad players with a negative attitude, just because... Um, What's going to happen if you go to SPO? <laughs> exactly. You know, it's unfortunate that we aren't able to send truly our best players to SBO because they're pad players. That's really, that sucks. You know, yeah. I mean, or, you know, how are these pad players going to go to Korea or Japan to play? You know, yeah. it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, not to mention, I mean, I think pad is really strong. I think pad players are very good, and I think using a PlayStation pad is a very good uh in terms of function, it's very good for Tekken. But, I mean, dude, you're not going to fucking use a baseball bat in a tennis match. You know? <laughs> it, 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 arcade games are meant to be played on an arcade stick. And no offense to pad players out there, but you guys are gay. 
You know, I mean, let's let's keep <laughs> yeah. it real, dude. <laughs> you know, let's keep it real. Play on a, on a stick. You know, pads are for the girls, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, let's, I mean, I'll get my ass kicked by a great pad player all day, but. I'm walking out of let's that. Take room. it to the arcade. Yeah, let's take it to the arcade. I'm walking out of that room, the the bigger man. You know, that's just my personal opinion on it, and you know, that's just how I feel about it. But it's really not a smart uh, opinion to have because of the way all these uh, video games are coming out, fighting games are coming out that are console straight to console. No, ar- and the other thing too about uh, learning how to play on stick is the universality of it because if. They have a what Xbox only tournament. What are you gonna do with your PS3 pad? You know? Exactly, exactly. You can't rely on converters anymore these days. Um, people have learned that the hard way, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that's pretty much how I feel about that. Um, I'm an arcade player at heart. I love the arcade, which is why I'm willing to endure the torture of a fucking 11-hour flight to Japan. The torture. I barely fucking fit in those stupid airplane chairs. And I'm watching Karate Kid, like the worst fucking movie I've ever seen. That movie was so terrible, all it made me want to do is kick the shit out of Asian kids. You know? And I, I, as soon as I got off the plane in Japan, I was, like, looking for the first Japanese kid I find, so I just beat the shit out of him. Drop kick. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just the worst. You know? I, and I'm willing to endure that torture... To get to a place where arcades are thriving and it's just so much fun to just like go to the arcade and spend hours there just playing hella good players and you know the camaraderie. These guys don't even speak English and it's just like they're so nice. These guys are just talking through your game. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you just walk over and you shake their hand and you high five them and bow or whatever the hell they do over there. (laughs) You know, it's just so much fun. You know, it's just great. I highly recommend going to Japan for any Tekken enthusiast, it is so much fun playing Tekken in the arcades in Japan. And even the new games, man, like, uh, I heard on a, like, a European site that, uh, even, even Marvel 3 might be coming out to the arcade, so who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Um, you know, anyway, so, yeah, um, uh, those are pretty much the questions I wanted to answer. If you guys have any other questions for me or Mike, uh, shoot them over. You can leave them as comments in this podcast. And, uh, yeah, like I said, questions for Harada, those are welcome as well. Uh, I don't know exactly when that interview will be. I talked to them about it, but they're very busy, uh, as you can imagine, with interviews right now. So, in the, in the near future, um, possibly the next podcast, if not the one after that, I'll be having Harada and Michael Murray on. Um, so, yeah, uh, unless you have anything else to add, Mike, uh, we're going to go ahead and conclude this episode. Um, no, that's about it. <laughs> All right, yeah, so everyone listening, just uh, keep your eyes on um, my YouTube account for this uh, podcast, Avoiding the Puddle. I don't exactly know what the... Check out uh, Harada's Twitter for uh, little hints here and there. Yeah, that. exactly, exactly. Definitely do that. Uh, and I'm going to be updating uh, a couple more videos tonight, and I have a bunch of videos here and there that I'm going to add. And uh, you guys can all go fuck yourselves. See you guys later. <laughs> later, guys. <laughs>